Welcome to the podcast of Tech.eu, Europe's premier technology industry information portal and market intelligence platform. I am your host, Andre Degler, reporting from Amsterdam. And today I have put together another interview special episode. We are going to hear from three distinctive representatives of the startup ecosystem. That's a startup, a corporate accelerator, and a governmental organization. And I'm very excited to share these conversations with you. Now, here's a taste of what's coming next. Normally, corporate accelerator sucks. Image cropping is not about having the object in the frame. It's about dynamics. It's about composition and storytelling. I really believe that there are two accelerators in the world that can call themselves accelerators. So today's episode, as I just mentioned, consists of three interviews that I recorded recently at the Sesame Summit in Valencia. I really did like the conference. I have to mention uh, just the right size, uh, not too many people, uh, two streams, uh, like two stages. And uh, what I always value the most, uh, it had a great range of speakers. So for today's interview special, first up is uh, Christian Lindener, an experienced entrepreneur and the CEO of uh, Vira Germany. And Vira, in case you don't know, is a corporate accelerator of Telefonica, and that's one of the largest mobile network providers in the world. Let's dive in. Hello, uh, this is Andre Degler from tech.eu recording today in uh, Valencia in the middle of the morning at uh, the Sesame Summit on a rooftop of the venue, which was apparently the only quiet place in uh, this uh, uh, building. And I am here today with uh, Christian Lindner, uh, the CEO of uh, Vibra Germany. Hi, Christian. Thanks for joining. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Andre. Now, uh, let's start with a general introduction. So what is uh, Vira and how did you end up being the CEO of it in Germany? So I took Vira over in 2017. Um, before Vira, I did uh, Tech Founders, which was a high-tech hardware accelerator in uh, Munich. And we had a very strong industry focus. So we uh, scouted for startups for BMW, Bosch, Siemens, Festo, a couple of 4.0 industry heavyweights in, in Germany. At that time, Vira used to be a pretty defocused uh, accelerator, uh, doing random uh, spread and pray investments in great technologies and great entrepreneurs. But at the end, as always, it happens in the corporate game. The CFO started asking, so what is the outcome of this accelerator? That's where they then took the opportunity to to hire me. Uh, it took some time to, to, to hire me because I was pretty happy with, uh, with Tech Founders, a white label accelerator and did not want to enter the, the, the corporate game. But I really quickly uh, saw that the only way to make a corporate uh, accelerator really useful is through impact. So I relaunched the Vira initiative, which has been alive since 2011. It was one of the first corporate accelerators, actually, uh, with 11 virus across 10 different countries. Uh, and we launched the first initiative in 2017 in Germany. The thing we did is that we focused only on core technologies of Telefonica, being IoT, advanced data analytics, and uh, enterprise AI. Only startups that could benefit from the corporate and the corporate could benefit mutually. And then if these startups would become crucial for our business, 
we could still invest in them with higher tickets. You must imagine, Germany is a very mature startup ecosystem. So the spread and prayer deal from Vira before, giving 100k, 60k in cash and 40k in so-called acceleration services, did not add any difference to the to the startups. Right. And what? Uh, how does uh, your uh, offering look now? So what we do now is that two-thirds of our time we spend within the corporate environment. So we really challenge our corporate if the technologies they think they're looking for are really feasible within the corporate environment to scale up the solution. If we decide, okay, this is a technology we want to move on and this is a technology that a startup has, we scout worldwide for a startup. And normally it's I know which are the 10 startups in Europe I have to talk to that have identified Telefonica, one of the biggest telcos in Europe, in their lead list and tried them to win Telefonica as a client. I bring them into a program. We still have a program, but it's not acceleration. It's not workshops. It's not, it's not pitch training. It's pure business. So we focus on winning for the startup Telefonica as a client within four months that they close their first uh, big contract for the startup. And then we scale up the solution over Germany to Madrid in the headquarters and even O2 in, in London. Right. So I had a conversation with uh, someone yesterday also about uh, corporate accelerators and general uh, startup corporate partnerships. And one of the things that uh, she told me is that it's rarely the case that uh, the partnership between a startup and a corporate would go farther than a pilot. How do you how do you solve this? Normally, corporate accelerators sucks. Um, <laughs> and, they, and they really, really suck a lot. Because what the corporate is looking for in a startup, the startup will never be able to deliver this. So there's a lot of different um, expectations uh, you have to manage within a, a corporate accelerator. Um, that's why I'm saying we're educating more our uh, corporate now to really how to work with startups um, rather than doing some fancy POC. Right. What is different? But to answer your question pretty precisely, what is different on, uh, on what we do is that, for example, we trigger a procurement. Procurement for a B2B startup takes months within a corporate. Yeah, exactly. And we get to this contract or SAP supplier number within only four months. We have gone very far into the corporate on the processes because what, what stops a startup is always the people in the corporate, the process in the, in the corporate, and the technology in the, in the corporate. And we build interfaces. No right. process a startup, a virus startup, gets from, from Telefonica is longer than 30 days. And I think that is a pretty good value proposition for a B2B uh, startup that has also analyzed uh, Telefonica as a, as a high-quality lead. Right. So uh, do you also feel a lot of uh, competition among accelerators in general and uh, corporate accelerators in particular? So only in Germany, you have 246 accelerators, incubators and labs. This leads on one way to an inflation of entrepreneurs. Not everybody is made to be an entrepreneur. Let's, let's also be honest there. Um, and the quality gets kind of uh, very, very, very diluted. There are a lot of corporate accelerators that do it for the wrong reason. If the marketing department is paying this uh, accelerator, it's the wrong reason. If the CSR is paying this uh, uh, corporate accelerator, it's the wrong reason. If nobody's committed to this accelerator as a growth model, it's the wrong reason. 
now we were the first, kind of one of the first ones on killing the old accelerator model and building up the new one. I see now that, and I'm very happy about it, um, that other corporate accelerators are catching up and being really the interface for startups to big uh, corporates. But still, every week there is an accelerator uh, still mounted up uh, in, in Europe. And many of them, uh, they will also be just die within two years because they don't add any value. Right. And uh, for yourself personally, so you have been an entrepreneur, you have been an investor. What are your personal criteria when you look at uh, uh, startups to decide whether they should uh, come along uh, to join the accelerator? Apart from this uh, uh, first criterion that you mentioned, uh, that mm -hmm. they should be able to benefit from, uh, from the corporate. Yeah. So where I always base my uh, decision on, besides of the metrics, when you see the financials and the technology, if we have a check behind that, is if I believe that the, the founders, the one, two or three founders, are really able to take uh, the team on a journey, on a journey that is very, very, very hard, very harsh, and uh, really have the perseverance to deal especially in b2b b2b sales because this is uh, this can be hell and um i want to i want to see the vision of the founders and the perseverance and the motivation behind them to take over and scale team that is what i what i really find fascinating on our teams and speaking of one two or three founders uh, would a single founder uh, be a, a red flag for you yes absolutely why so because we believe that well it's like that's what everybody says. We believe in teams, yeah. But I believe that uh, that within a team, everybody has his role. And I see the CEO as a visionary uh, guy that can pull a team. I can see a good CTO fo focusing on really the technology stack and and getting his developer team on track. And then, of course, you need somebody that does the operations. Uh, right. Otherwise, the CEO will be will be doing hiring and uh, funding and everything, and this will end up in a in a in a huge mess. And besides, I mean, one founding team is not a team. Right. So, And uh, uh, just about your entrepreneurial experience, uh, uh, you mentioned uh, earlier before we started recording that uh, uh, you exited from uh, one of your startups and uh, uh, the other one uh, did not actually go that well and it went bankrupt. So what happened? So what happened is that we, I think we pulled uh, every fail you can fail as a management team um so we got really greedy when uh, when funding this was the first one we fund we we got more money than we than we than we actually needed then we hired a lot of people immediately too many we buy uh, machines rather than leasing machines we were young we were very young and nobody told us like what is the best practice of uh, of scaling up a hardware startup this was also the hardest industry to work on a on a startup and at the end it didn't work out with the founders because when you're young you're you're not psychologically that stable that you can handle a lot of pressure from investors from the corporate from your employees with 70 employees which was really the darkest time of my life uh, let, letting go this uh, this this startup and we made the big error that we focused only on one corporate so we should have become a preferred partner of one of the biggest uh, corporates and we waited for the deal waited for the deal waited for the deal and the deal just never came and then was end of the end of the money and that's that's why i'm so eager on on i do believe on corporate and startup partnerships or or doing business together and that's my main motivation just that nobody repeats the errors uh, I did and the misunderstanding of dealing with a with a big corporate. 
So do you tend to mostly deal with uh, hardware startups at the accelerator? Uh, this was before. This was before my time at uh, at Wida at Tech Founders. This was obviously when dealing with Industry 4.0. The most of them were hardware. Now it's actually SaaS, which uh, right. SaaS startups, which we deal a lot. So all the solutions that make a big elephant like Telefonica with 350 million clients worldwide faster and uh, and and cheaper and delivering real good service to their to their customers. Right. So we are at uh, Sesame Summit in Valencia today, and you are one of the speakers. What are you going to talk about? Well, it's one of my favorite uh, topics. Uh, what impact do accelerators uh, deliver? Uh, you can say 99% don't deliver any any impact. Um, so I guess there's going to be some exciting things there happening there. We have Chris Brown uh, on the stage as well from 500 Startups. I really believe that there are two accelerators in the world that can call themselves accelerators, which I do believe is 500 startups and Y Combinator. All the other things are certainly something, but not really an accelerator. And that's really the, the, the talk of the town, right? So we have, we have mounted up all these vehicles. They have cost a lot of money. A lot of startups are involved in there. A lot of startups gave away equity for, for getting a mediocre service. Now it's the time to change that. And to really do something for the ecosystem and uh, and and do profitable business. So you'll probably go into discuss it uh, at the panel anyway. But uh, just to finish off uh, this conversation, how do you even define and measure the impact that you're going to discuss? Thanks for the question. Um, we have defined the the measurement for for impact in the procurement and the commercial agreement the startup gets with the the big elephant. Mm -hmm. Which is uh, bizarre because we work that this volume is the highest, whereas Telefonica works uh, to this volume being the being being lower. So the more money the startup makes with our investor, the better for us, and that's the only thing you can measure. All the other things, uh, cost cutting, uh, revenue growth, uh, competitive advantage, they're not measurable. The only thing that is measurable is the contract the startup gets from 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 a big corporate. Besides portfolio value, which is uh, also easy to easy to measure, right? Okay, Christian Lindner, uh, CEO of Wire uh, Germany. Thanks a lot for joining today, and uh, good luck. Many thanks for the interview. Now that's a great start for today's episode, and uh, let's now move on to hear from a startup uh, that I met at the conference. The startup is called Framerite, and it is all about non-destructive image cropping. I talked to Marina Ekros, the founder, and I really loved the story and the idea, so I hope you will too. Hello, uh, this is Andrew Degler from Tech.eu reporting today from Valencia from uh, Startup Sesame is still at the rooftop of the venue enjoying the partly cloudy views of the city. So I'm here today with uh, Marina Ekros from uh, Framerite. Uh, so good morning, great to see you today. And uh, can you tell more about what Framerite is and why you founded it? Good morning. So Framerite is a image cropping software. So we combine AI with manual control to make sure that images get published in the right way. So talking about the proportions, like is it a square or landscape? So we make that possible by using the metadata and saving the information there. We found it frame right because it was actually something that I faced in my daily work. So I'm, I'm a photographer originally, and this was a problem that I faced every day. Like there was no way to to make sure a client could use my images without any cropping issues, and uh, and then also my co-founder Ilka, our CTO, he had the same issue from different side of the table. So when he was uh, 
making digital services, building them, there was no way that they could make sure that their clients' images would work well in the in the online environment. So it's kind of two reasons. Okay. So yeah, I do my cropping normally in uh, Photoshop or whatever other editor uh, there is. So how is uh, FrameRite better? What do you do different? So the magic in this is that you can do multiple crops and that's all saved inside the image file. So you have one file going around and that contains all the information how it should behave in different situations. Uh, with Photoshop, you can do cropping. Right then you have multiple files. And that takes also time. We, with our um, design, we also want to make it uh, smooth, the workflow, that it's fast and fun. Oh, that, this sounds really interesting, but how does, it, how does it actually work? What kind of metadata can you include? And do you need also your own uh, editor to be used later in order to extract uh, these uh, crops? So you can uh, use our tool on framerite.app. Mm -hmm. uh, it's there now, soft released. Uh, you can try it. There you can make uh, multiple crops. You can create also your own libraries based on what your exact needs are. Uh, we have also there the social media channels. Uh, and uh, yeah, so you don't need to Google anymore what is the Facebook size for two 2019. And um, so everything is there. You do the cropping, you save the image file. You can then later on open the image file in our tool and also export the, the crops if you need the single files. How users can actually use the data in the pictures is that we are working now with the larger media companies uh, who have their own ecosystem where they can already take advantage of the technology. So they uh, put our uh, system in their content management system and, and then... Um, they can already kind of extract images within their content management system. Right. So they would uh, basically be able to upload this one image with this special metadata into their content management system and then get the right uh, ratios uh, for different uh, users. Exactly. And our tool can be integrated into their system. So it can be image coming from a photographer or uh, from... Um, Image agency, mm -hmm. they already then, they don't need to do anything for that image because it already contains the information. Or if it's a picture they get without the information, they just use the tool in their system and that's saved. And if some requirements change in the future, they can open the file and do changes and then it's good again. Right. Is it, uh, is it going to work with WordPress? We actually, <laughs> <laughs> we actually, we're just uh, finishing up with the WordPress uh, plugin, so we need to. <laughs> oh, how amazing would that be? Can can we be the beta testers, pilot yes. customers, yes. Uh, anything? <laughs> 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 Thank you so much. Uh, I was reading your website and I saw this uh, one uh, motto-ish. Uh, sentence saying that image cropping is much more than having an object in the frame. Can you elaborate on this? What do you mean? Yes, I can. So there are a lot of solutions that do automatic cropping based on where they, they can recognize the object in the image. But the thing is, with photography and, and visual storytelling is that image cropping is not about, about having the object in the frame. It's about dynamics. It, it's about composition and storytelling. And now with, with this development, what we have been seeing, how images are used online, it's actually, uh, killing the way that stories can be told. So now finally with frame right, there, there is a way to, to have good quality visual stories again. Right. That's interesting. But you are a startup, which means you, at some point, have to make money. How exactly are you going to do that? 
So we are now in the B2B environment. We do direct sales and hopefully last, uh, at the end of the year, we have the enterprise SaaS model working and. So what are you going to charge for? That's still a little bit open. We are a startup. <laughs> right. So what uh, what are the other plans then, other than uh, getting this uh, business model right and getting the first clients? Are you looking for uh, uh, funding as well? Yes. Uh, this spring, we are looking for a pre-seed round. Right. And uh, that's, that's enough to get our um, product to the next level. So what are the product plans then? What do you want to add to it? What kind of features? What else? We need to do more integrations like the WordPress that we are just uh, finalizing and um, and also um, work uh, on our AI, which is already on a good uh, direction, but uh, that still needs, uh, of course, a lot of training. And then uh, building the, 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 the business development side too. We're now only four people. It's an exciting year ahead. <laughs> Perfect. Well, good luck with everything. Thanks so much for joining today. And uh, I will definitely uh, write you later about this uh, WordPress integration for Perfect. take out to you. Thanks <laughs> and good luck. Thank you so much. Now, to finish this episode, let us hear from the local government. That is someone from this government who is busy building up a startup ecosystem where there wasn't one. Enter Valencia Activa and uh, Javier Mateo Garcia. Hello, uh, this is Andre Degelor from Tech.eu recording today in Valencia at uh, Sesame Summit. And I have a chance to catch up with uh, Javier Mateo Garcia uh, from Valencia Activa. Hi, uh, uh, Javier. Uh, great to meet you here today. Hi, it's a pleasure for me. So can you start with uh, telling a little bit more about uh, Valencia Activa itself, what you do there and what the goals of the organizations are? Yeah, perfect. So Valencia Activa is uh, from the public sector. We depend from the city hall of Valencia. And we are developing all the entrepreneurs' uh, policies in the city to make the Valencia great hub, a great place to start uh, your business, to create your startups and also to to develop it here. And we have two different programs, as if it could be said. One is uh, Vitemprende, is a network of the community of uh, startups, national and international. And the other one is Valencia Tech City, is that we are creating with the regional and the city stakeholders from the public and private uh, sector. We are trying to create a strategy for the economic model for the city based on that kind of new economies, innovation, technology, knowledge. So that's uh, the great uh, project that we are developing together with the private sector. Right. So uh, does it mean that you mostly target uh, already the local startups that are here in Valencia or startups coming from other cities to move to Valencia? So we are working to... uh, change the mindset of the citizens to be more entrepreneurs to create their own startups but we have a huge uh, city a huge uh, weather quality of life so whatever so we want to invite new startups from outside Valencia to come here to develop the the projects and so we are saying always welcome to Valencia Tech City for the new startups talent and investors and how has that been going so far do you see many startups uh, moving here yeah we are looking that many companies many startups they are looking for talent is the base of the of the startups and they can find the talent here cheap talent if you compare with the great uh, big capitals of of Europe and also you have a huge uh, quality of life here cheap quality uh, cost of living 
this is a good place to to start your company here and we are continuously weekly receiving uh, companies startups from outside Valencia to want to establish here and we we'll help them to to do that right and uh, I was uh, yesterday at uh, this uh, uh, city uh, uh, workshop yeah. uh, in the evening and I think you mentioned uh, that there is a certain specialization uh, for Valencia as a tech city so what is it and why do you think it makes sense to have this sort of specialization yeah so we are working with the European Commission in a project startup cities Europe uh, partnership they are trying to develop a network from the tier two cities around Europe, so living the capitals, and that they are trying to connect is with this, that cities should be leaders in one vertical. So we try to to do that in clean tech because we have right. too many ingredients here. We have big projects in mobility. Also now the policies in in energy are changing, so we can be faster than the five or six years ago. And so we have the ingredients to, to really lead it if we are all together to do that. So we are trying to, to connect with other cities like Lyon or Torino or the tier two cities around Europe to uh, change markets, change technologies, talent. So we are trying to create that good network and we want to lead the one of the verticals that we think that we can lead around Europe. Uh, so we just uh, I was just uh, sitting at the uh, main hall and uh, listening to another uh, talk about uh, the government's uh, role in uh, the startup ecosystems and one of the things uh, said there was one of the best roles for the government in the ecosystem is just not to interfere too much yeah. is this something that uh, you also are trying to do uh, as a, like with the city authorities Totally agree with that. So I'm from the startup ecosystem. So I'm an entrepreneur. Right. So I've been working in the startup the last nine years in Industry 4.0. So I know what are the problems that the startup that we have to to grow, to establish a company, to make everything. So it's not easy. And now that I have the opportunity from the public perspective to try to change it and push and doing push with the governors and the regional, the city and also the national, they are totally committed with, with that problem because now at the national government they have startup people working in the public sector and they are trying okay. to change it. We are working for to develop the startup nation and we are trying to change the the bureaucracy and also many things about laws to make it easy. So one of the best things that we can do is not not be uh, a stone in the way. So we should be uh, make easier to uh, do business, to invest, to create your company, to hire uh, talent from outside the, the country. So that's the best way that we can do. Make it easy. Right. So what are the concrete examples of what you have already done and uh, what you're going to do for this? So, for example, that we are the first thing that we made on the city. So because we are the small uh, governors, so we have the region and the national that they have really the the power to change the, the great things, the law. So that we are trying to do is to uh, create like a, only one point what the entrepreneurs or the startup they can come to the city and we talk the same language it's important because usually when you talk with clean tech uh, startup whatever the people from the public administration say uh, what are you saying are you crazy or what kind of, of language is that so we talk with you and we can we have people focused to help you 
This is the, the main thing that we are doing from the city hall. And also what that we want to do, that we want to create is like a investor's office to uh, make faster and easier the investments in the city. Now you have uh, a lot of bureaucracy to do. Also, not for the startup, just for the investors. And we want to make it easy. We want to make it faster. If you want to invest in Valencia, we will help you to do that. We will, we will make it easy for you to invest here. Right. So what you also mentioned uh, in this conversation and also in the talk before is uh, this whole thing about uh, tier two cities. So the cities that are not capital, that are not huge. So what are the benefits and what are the challenges of being this kind of city in terms of uh, building up a startup ecosystem? So I think that we have different ingredients. If we compare only in the Spanish perspective, we have Madrid and we have Barcelona. Madrid is the capital, so they have the main companies there. We, they have the capital as, as, right. as the money perspective. And they have many, how to say, ingredients that only because you are the capital, you have it. And you can create like an ecosystem. But for example, in Valencia, as we know that we are smaller and we don't have that kind of benefits, but we have another ones. One of them is that we are small enough to be totally connected. All the stakeholders, right. we are hyper connected. So we can send one WhatsApp and we all go forward to see, I don't know, an investor, uh, people who come. So to help people like the Sesame uh, partners. So This is something that you don't have in other big cities because it's too 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 big to do, to be connected or well connected. So this is one of the of the best point that we have the hyper connection and also we have uh, the size enough to uh, change or to make changes in our strategy faster than if we are a big elephant, no, a big capital, because you have to talk with too many people to, to do changes. Here we can manage in a 20, 25 people table. So this is the, we are like in a startup versus a uh, corporate. So we are like city startup. You just say like the size, also the, the flexibility that you have in front of a corporate it could be a big capital ecosystem. Yeah, but I would I would expect still that uh, any changes uh, in a governmental uh, sort of environment uh, take uh, quite a while. Yeah, so we we are trying to to be on the together with the private sector. So we have to make the changes together to to really develop the ecosystem. Usually, the ecosystem part from the private sector alone, and they forget. Hey, public sector, please don't kick me. So, so we are to be polite to say that. And, but here we know that if we are together, we can uh, achieve the targets that we have. So finally, in the uh, strategic plan that we have in, in Balenciatec City, we want to be at the top 10 in Europe and rankings about technology and mm -hmm. innovation. But we don't. We know that it's a, like a moonshot for us. We are far away. But we know that we only can uh, go to that target if we are together. If we are alone, we are that right and how do you measure uh, your results so we, we will try to go to the main reports of the in that case is europe so maybe with the european commission or private uh, reports that you don't have to pay for that so it's serious reports if we can say something like that so we want to 
to choose the two or three main reports to to know where where we are and to validate and to compare in the next years where we're going if we are growing up in that ranking or if we are not change something in the in the model Okay, sounds good. So we're definitely going to keep our eyes open for these next reports coming up and see how Valencia moves upwards in the rankings. Thank you so much, Javier, for joining me today and uh, good luck with uh, everything here in Valencia. Thank you very much. Enjoy the city and enjoy this day at the Sesame Summit. Thank you. Now, this is it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are not a subscriber yet, subscribe today on your favorite podcast app. If you are listening on iTunes, please take a minute to leave us a review. This will help others find the show and mean the world for us. Tell a friend or colleague about this podcast and follow our updates on Twitter at tech underscore EU. Please feel free to email me with any questions, suggestions, and opinions at andri at tech.eu. You can also find me on Twitter or on Facebook or LinkedIn or in person and let me know what you think of the podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. Enjoy the rest of the week, and I will talk to you this coming Wednesday. Bye-bye.